Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Hello and welcome back to Successful Minds. I'm your host, Patty Baranowski-Schneider. Today I'm joined by Mary Straczynski, CEO and founder of Star City Life Coaching, LLC. So thank you for joining us, Mary, and tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Well, thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here today. Um, so originally, um, I, I've always known that I wanted to be a social worker, started when I was 10 years old, that's, I, I knew. And so I've been very um, goal oriented, I would <laughs> say. Um, and I've done a lot in the field. I've been a licensed therapist for over 30 years um, in different settings. Um, but my most recent one is private practice. Um, and I, my specialty is trauma. And so people in the community know me for that. And I tend to have a lot of people come to me for that. But over time, I started noticing that I had this large population of women who were coming to me for burnout, imposter syndrome. Um, and this was about the time that COVID was, you know, we were all in lockdown. And these women were feeling as though they're alone. They they tend to feel like they're the only ones who are experiencing this. And then COVID was just making it worse. You know, they felt very isolated. Um, it was hard to make friends. And as a therapist, you know, and I understand why there's a lot of boundary issues. Mm -hmm. And so I came up with the idea to start a community. And this voluntary community, people could come together they could share their experiences uh, if they wanted to. And, um, you know, I wasn't breaking any boundaries that way, but people mm -hmm. were getting to meet each other and talk about these issues. And then from there, um, it, it just was going so well. I loved being able to serve people in a different way. Right. And that's when I made the decision to transition to coaching. And that's how Star City Life Coaching sort of came about. Um, I'm from Virginia and my town is the star city of the South. Therefore the name, um, I, I got proposed to, at the, there actually is a star, um, and I got proposed there. Um, and so it's, the stars always had special meaning in my life nice. as well, but yeah. And That's I love awesome. it. That's yeah. awesome. And it's nice. Um, cause it's always been a big joke that since post COVID, it seemed everybody under the sun became a coach of some sort. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd say the majority of them are not licensed coaches or certified or, you know, validated in any which way. And like I always say, just because you have, you know, you can't go from saying I was, I was receptionist at a dentist office and now I'm a life coach. It's like, how did that come about? But you know, that you have, you know, your background, your experience, your skills, your certification and all that, and I'm not saying everybody has to be certified because it's the same with a college degree. I don't think you need a college degree to be smart, but, you know, it, it just, you know, it is helpful that you have that background and that experience and that training and whatnot. So good for you. <laughs> and I think throughout our, our talk today, I think your listeners will see that 
there are some advantages to right. having that therapeutic background and mm-hmm. how I still manage to kind of tie that into the coaching right. and why that can be so helpful. So, yeah. yeah. So now tell us what inspired you to combine your business experience with your clinical expertise to create the leader of your life program. Well, my longest position in the field was actually at a human service agency. It was a national human service agency. I I started with it when it was just a mom and pop. And over time, it grew and grew and I grew with it and eventually became the executive director and was also a state director. And so, you know, at the end of that career, I had spent a lot of time with budgets and, you know, the bottom line and um, policy and things like that. But so I had the business background, the administrative background. Um, And so when I thought about coaching, I thought, well, why not take that administrative background and combine it with my clinical skills Mm -hmm. and start my own business? Um, I also had the experience in private practice as well. But, you know, really a big part of it was in my private practice, you know, more and more I was seeing how possibly trauma, not always, but how this was translating for women in their adult life. And how they were just really suffering. And it really, I've seen a lot of patterns. And I just thought somebody needs, somebody needs to get out there and deliver the message a lot louder, um, that it's not just them. And there's tools that can help them, um, With coaching, I love it because I don't see them for a 15-minute session and then I don't get to see them again until next week. You know, Mm -hmm. I get to serve them the way that I want to serve them. Mm -hmm. I get to touch base with them in between sessions. Um, We really build a relationship and I, I love that. And there's also a difference between healing, you know, and the focus on the past versus focusing a bit more on the future. And I find that very exciting as well. But it really was about, I wanted more freedom to get the message out there that I wanted to send. Yeah. It's nice too, because I just had this conversation with someone else about business in general. And, um, you know, one of the things was like with business, admitting your failures and things like that. And, you know, as much as, as a business owner, you don't want to be like, oh my God, when I first started, I, I stunk at this and I failed. But you know what? There's so many other people in that same boat that maybe don't say anything, but now when you hear that, like, oh my God, it's not just me. I'm glad. So bringing that out to people and sharing that you're not alone in whatever situation you're going through, that there's other people like that. It takes such a weight off. And a lot of people don't realize how the past, you know, like, at one point I had insomnia and I was actually got, I went to a hypnotist and not one that makes you quack like a duck sort of thing, but it was one <laughs> that just relaxes you and you just, and there was so much from like my way past, you know, that I wasn't even aware that I was thinking of this, but that's what was affecting my sleeping. It was still in the back of my head. So having someone to one, make you not feel alone. And also, you know, you're not alone. You're not the only one like this, but you know, let's just uncover what you're, what's hurting you, you know, yes. is, is really often people don't realize that there's so much involved in it, but you know, it, it's, you know, something as simple as that can help make or break you, you know? Yes. And as, as you know, you know, I do have a personal story myself, which, you know, we can talk about in a minute, but right. that also was a big part of it was 
normalizing it for people, right? right? Mm -hmm. Like this is not you, you're not deficient, you're not broken. Mm -hmm. um, you just don't know all that you need to know and you don't have the tools. But with mm -hmm. that, anybody can make a transformation. So mm -hmm. I really wanted people to hear that. Well, speaking of that now, can you share your personal story of leaving your corporate due to stress and how it impacted your work? Yes, yes. So <laughs> um, I don't even know how many hours I was working. Um, I, I stopped counting at some point. Uh, like I said, I kept uh, moving up in the company, um, which is great. I'm not going to say it wasn't. It, it was. Um, but I woke up one weekend and had a what I thought was something in my eye. And I didn't wear contacts or glasses. And I was like, well, what's going on here? Um, it's never good when you call the doctor's office and they're like, we think you need to come in. And I'm kind of like, okay. Um, <laughs> what had happened was they thought I had uh, multiple sclerosis, actually. Um, and I will never forget that day, like sitting in the parking lot, calling my husband hysterical because I had three young girls at the time. And all I could think about was, I just need to be a mom to my three kids, you know? Um, and so after a lot of tests um, and months and months that went by, they ended up finding out that what it was, was I had an inflamed nerve in my brain. And that inflamed nerve was what was blocking my vision. And I was very fortunate because um, sometimes you can be colorblind after you've had this and mm -hmm. I didn't have that and I regained all my vision, which was wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, and so they had said, you know, sometimes this can happen with stress and you would have thought that that would have been a wake up call for me at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and so I continued to have issues um, off and on, sporadic, but I had frozen shoulder, I had mono twice, I had shingles, um, a blood disorder. It was- It was knocking you on the head saying, wake it, up, we have to- <laughs> Could not have been any louder. And I was just not paying, I was ignoring it. I, I heard it, right? But what do you do? You shove it down, right? And so I think for me, it that really is the key. Even as a clinician, I was not being objective with myself. And I had to really ask myself, what was going on with me that I got myself in this situation, first of all? And then second of all, why could I not get myself out of the situation? And so there is a lot of information out there about burnout and we need more, honestly. You know, the statistics show women, especially if they're in a leadership position, we're talking 50% or more are saying they've experienced burnout, at least at some point in time. Mm -hmm. So it's a real issue. And I think COVID actually exacerbated it. Um, but while I do think companies have a responsibility to their employees and they have the control to provide education, communication. Mm -hmm. uh, they can change systems to make things better. Mm -hmm. So they have control of a lot of it, but I do think somebody also needs to be talking about the employee as well and just being able to look at themselves and say, okay, what's going on with you that you're staying in this situation or not advocating for yourself or setting boundaries 
Um, and what tends to happen is people will leave one job and then go to another, and then the same thing repeats itself. And most likely that's because there's something going on internally. It's not just the, the circumstances. Yeah. I mean, it's funny when I think about people too, even with bad relationships, when you start seeing the same thing over and over again, it's like, all right, let's take a step back and look at the whole picture. What's the common denominator? You keep falling for the same exact thing. Why? You know, and it could be something as simple as, you know, they didn't feel love growing up. It could be anything, um, you know? So yeah, having somebody in it, you always need that outside person to help them because you don't see it yourself, you know? Exactly. Uh, but yeah, stress. Wow. Sorry, you went through all that, but I'm glad that you're not in it now. <laughs> what actually got my attention was my um, my now son-in-law was living with us because of COVID. They got shut down at our house. Um, <laughs> and his father was an ambassador at one point. Okay. And he looked at me one day and he said, gosh, he's like my father ran a whole country and I think you work more than he did. And that over all the health issues <laughs> that stung when he said that, but it got me to really look at myself and think, what, what am I doing? And what is the impact on my family? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, it's not just my health, but my relationships as yeah. well, which is frequently what I was seeing with the women coming to me is mm -hmm. it was impacting their health. They were having inflammatory issues like me. Um, it's impacting their relationships. Um, and it's a little scary because us high achievers tend to look on the outside like everything's fine, right? I would have people all the time be like, you have it all together. How do you balance everything? And and they just didn't know that on the inside, like I was suffering so much. Yeah. And so I kind of look for the people who look like they have it all together because yeah. I kind of know that like that might not actually be the case. Yeah. I mean, it's it is you know, not that it's funny, it's not, but um, so many people like suicide and things like that, when you hear the people around them, they're like, I never knew that they had a problem because they always seem so happy. And that's why they always say, you know, don't, um, one, don't judge a book by its cover, but always, they always just say like, smile to somebody, you know, because you never know like what they're going through. And, you know, even as a kid growing up, you used to compare yourself to your friends and like, oh, they have such a great life, all oh, this, all that. Uh -huh. And then you do a sleepover and you're like, wow, it's not at all what I thought. You know, and what goes on behind closed doors, you don't know. So, yeah, and I, I agree with you 100%. Women just put on a happy face and go through the motions because they're super women. It just is what it is. What you're sorry, men, but that's just the way it is. <laughs> it, yeah, no, it's so true. In fact, when I started my coaching business, I started public speaking. And one of the talks that I did was at a university. They had asked me to come and speak to their staff and their senior administration about self-care. And the day before my talk, they call me up and they're like, well, we just need to let you know that, um, you know, one of the members of our senior administration, and she was a woman, had just committed suicide. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, I was like, do I do this talk? I mean, I just didn't know what to do. And I did, because I thought, no, you know what? They actually need to hear this yeah. self-care piece probably more now than ever. So yeah. And you never very know. serious. You, you could talk to a hundred people and maybe it's that one person that just needed to hear it. You yes. never know. And that's why I always tell people just put it out there. You know, if you don't get the response you wanted, you might not verbally get it, but you never know whose life you touch. So um, yes. Yes. Yeah. 
And a lot of women who are feeling burnt out, you know, they think the answer is, I just have to do more. I need to work harder. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that is not the answer. Yeah. Yeah. It's just how society always teaches you, you know, you're not enough. You're not enough. You have to do more. You have to be better. You have to compare yourself to X, Y, Z. It's, it's not that way, you know, so getting people to help you understand that is, you know, really important. Yes. Yeah. So now what brain science do you utilize in your coaching? Well, having a trauma background, um, you know, one of the modalities that I used um, is EMDR. Um, and we'll, we can talk about that more in a minute, but, um, you know, I use tapping and other techniques that really activate the nervous system mm-hmm. because we found that, and I, I, I just find it so fascinating talking about this, but, um, you know, they found that traumatic memories tend to get trapped in a whole different part of the nervous system. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that there is a way that you can activate these memories so that you can actually process them and release them um, so that you're no longer triggered by them. And they also don't realize the um, the mind and our thoughts, right? And how much power they have over us. Uh, but, but mostly that every human being has a brain that is trying to keep them safe right? 24 seven, that's its job is trying to keep you safe. And sometimes it does a great job when it needs to. But then we develop these coping mechanisms from that, that as we get to be adults in life, those coping mechanisms now are obstacles for us, and it's no longer serving us anymore. And there's so many people that don't know that. And I, and I think being able to hear that, like, hey, your brain and your body is working the way it's supposed to, you know, again, you're not, you're not broken. That that's not what it is. You just don't realize the mechanisms that are happening, but that there are tools out there so that you can maybe be more in control of your thoughts instead of your thoughts controlling you, but that, you know, you have the amygdala, which is the emotional brain and your, uh, I call it problem solving brain or your rational brain. And, you know, really learning about what your body has done to protect you, but that now we might need to look at, at tweaking those processes. So, yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I, again, it's a long story. I'm not going to get into all of it now, but I was at one point a skydiving instructor and I was in a skydive accident and free fall was knocked unconscious, blah, 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 whole big. I have no memory of any of this. I was in the hospital for a month to this day. I have no memory whatsoever, which is my brain's way of protecting me. The doctors at the time said they don't fully understand the brain's traumatic brain injury. They don't understand it to the extent of when will it get better? Will it be 100%? Whatever. But now, mind you, I fell in free fall about 5,000 feet. So you just hmm. think of the winds and everything. Again, I have no memory of any of this. But I do notice when I'm driving the car, when you mentioned senses, when it's really windy, if you open up the window, I kind of get a little freaked out. I'm kind of like, oh, let me just close that. Again, I have no memory of any of this. But I guess that wind is something that my brain was like remembered from back then. So yes. it is true how your brain protects yourself. They don't want you to know what just happened, you know? But yeah, no. But now, I guess, explain what is MDR, uh, EMDR, and somatic therapy? And how can, I mean, how have they informed your coaching, um, your coaching approach? Yeah, so um, 
EMDR um, is, you know, eye movement, rapid desensitization, I can't speak, desensitization. (laughs) There, I got the word out. Um, (laughs) But what it does is it actually can activate the memory and process it in the same way that you would process things. For example, if you're sleeping and you're in the REM stage of sleep and when you're able to process it and release it, then it no, it kind of moves you, as I said, it's stored in a different part of your nervous system. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a very visual person. So I almost think of it as filing cabinets, right? Yeah. So <laughs> it kind of shifts that memory from one filing cabinet into another, mm-hmm. where it no longer will trigger you, where you your body has... Um, you know, the anxiety, the hypervigilance, mm-hmm. um, the the physical sensations uh, that you may find as you were talking about, you know, here you are in current day being impacted by something from a long time ago. Um, and so then if you can combine that with working with someone's mindset and their thought process, what I find is typically in coaching, there's a big focus on goal setting mm-hmm. and giving people tools but then they get stuck. And why did they get stuck? Because the brain is trying to keep you safe and fear is going to come up as well. And sometimes what might be getting people stuck is something that has happened for them in their past. And so what I love is that as a coach, if I find that to be the case, then I can say, okay, hold on, Let, let's work on figuring out what the block is and maybe releasing that so that we can change the physical reaction to it as well as the mental and emotional reaction to it, Mm -hmm. then you're going to be able to use your tools and move forward. And I also find that it leads to more of a long lasting transformation for people because you've really changed their self-image and their paradigm, not just learn new skills and practiced it, but really made an internal change. Nice. Now, how has the brain science you utilize in your coaching helped women make changes in their thought patterns and behaviors? Well, I've definitely found some underlying themes in terms of working with women that have chronic stress and burnout, imposter syndrome. Um, and, And typically what I find is that they're really dealing with perfectionism and procrastination and limiting beliefs and One example I can give you is I work with this one woman and she just volunteered for everything. If it was something at her job, she volunteered to help. She volunteered for every activity for all of her children, um, volunteered for everything at church. I mean, and she came to me and she was having really some serious health issues. She knew it was from stress um, and overwhelm. And so I was working with her and she was getting stuck. And so by working with some somatic techniques and EMDR, what we found was that she was discussing her mother and her mother was someone who she lived with depression her whole life. She ended up developing agoraphobia where she wouldn't leave the house. Mm -hmm. And so she grew up with a mom who pretty much was always on the couch Mm -hmm. She was very close to her father and felt like this put a lot of stress on him. Mm-hmm. But what we ended up connecting was that she learned that resting was bad, that being at home in her mind was a negative. 
And I, I said to her one day, I said, do you think that your unconscious thoughts are maybe saying to you, if you don't do this, if you don't say yes, and you don't volunteer that you're going to be like your mom. And she was like, oh my gosh, yes, that's Mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. So once we could uncover that and really shift that belief for her, she was really able to have success. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, 95% of our actions are driven by those unconscious thoughts. And so being able to identify what those thoughts are saying to us um, and how it's impacting our actions, I really think makes a big difference in transformation for people. Yeah, again, you need somebody to help uncover that because to the naked eye, you don't see it yourself, you know, and you have experience with, you know, working with other people that you'd say, I've seen this before. (laughs) Yes, yes. Now, what are the benefits of using a combination of mindset and transformational coaching when working with clients? Well, like I just said, I really feel like if internally you're shifting the unconscious thoughts um, and we can replace those with more positive thoughts and have those thoughts come up more automatically, then you are really freeing people up to also start thinking about why am I doing what I'm doing? What is my purpose? What is my why? Um, I had someone who was able to uncover the fact that all of his career decisions really went back to um, his father and what his father wanted him to do. And he was so stressed out. He was drinking. He actually admitted himself to a rehab facility because he he knew that he was really putting his life in danger at that point. And once we were able to uncover that and he could be free of needing that validation, he then made the decision to go do what he wanted to do. He really could identify his why. And he ended up moving out to Colorado and finding the job that he wanted. He works less hours and gets paid more and he goes skiing in the afternoon and is very, very happy. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's sort of the winning combination. Nice. Yeah. Now, what tips can you share for women looking to end the cycle of overthinking, overgiving, and overworking? Well, one of the first steps that I do when I work with someone in my program is really figuring out what do they want? What are their core values? Mm-hmm. And are they living their life in alignment with their core values? Right. You know, as women, we're so conditioned to do for others. Uh, sometimes I think we forget to even ask ourselves, what do we want? Um, or like me, my children are becoming young adults. It's a different time in my life. And mm-hmm. I'm like, um, I don't know. Well, now that they might not need me as much, I, I forgot what I wanted, you know? So <laughs> it's really getting in line with that. And, but also feeling that you are deserving. I hear this over and over again from women that down deep, they don't feel that they are deserving or worthy of having what they want. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think working on that boundaries is huge. Um, Being able to set boundaries and a lot of women experience a lot of guilt around saying no. 
Um, and then of course, self-care. I mean, there's information out there about self-care, but I find a lot of times it's very simplified and the message is, you know, take a bubble bath, go get your nails painted, um, you know, take a walk. I mean, yes, I think those things are good. I've heard myself saying it to people before <laughs> too, um, but, but they're, they're tools that in itself is not going to solve the issue, but they can be part of a package of things that you can use to help move yourself forward and, and take care of yourself. But we all have the same 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. It's where are you putting your energy? And are you putting your energy in places that align with those values and your purpose? Or are you spending all your energy on what other people want you to do? Mm -hmm. And then it really be what I tell my clients is you have to really think about if you say yes to something, are you going to suffer consequences from that. You know, it's funny, it's so important because I'm one of those people who just know is not in my vocabulary. And right <laughs> a couple of years ago, um, I worked with this group who <clears throat> made me do a course on boundaries. And I'm like, that had to be the hardest thing ever because it's always like you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, you know, and it, it gets to the point, it's not about them, it's about you. It's, I could be honest and say that I still don't follow through on it as much as I really should. But, you know, when I did, I'm like, wow, it just took such a load off of me because I'm like, it is true. You're saying yes, but not for you. You're saying yes because of them. You want to help yes. them. You don't want to say no. You don't want to make them feel bad. Whatever the case, I would do without <clears throat> to make sure somebody else did. And it's like, exactly. where are you in the equation? Yeah. Exactly. I hear a lot of, um, I should, you know, I, I think we say, well, that's because what you're, you're supposed to do that. You should do that. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, whenever you hear the word should, you really should take a look at that because it most likely means that you actually feel obligated, whether it's what society has put out there as an expectation or your family, but somewhere some rules were set, <laughs> but probably not by you. And now you think you should. So should is one of those, I consider <laughs> that a dangerous word. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Ba boundaries is huge as a self-care, but the right kind of self-care. Right. Now, what advice would you give to someone looking to manage their stress levels and prevent overwhelm? Well, I would really say it's that same thing in terms of really identifying what it is that you want to get out of life for yourself and then making decisions. And that's the great thing about, you know, people don't talk about their values necessarily. Um, these are not things you're taught <clears throat> in school, right? And so having that discussion and finding out what it really is that you want to achieve you can then make better decisions, even if it's about, you know, I don't think if you have burnout that it's always a matter of having to leave your job. There's other things you can do to make that experience more rewarding for you. But if you if you know what your values are, then you now can look at that and say, does this match what I said is like my top five, for example? Um, is this an environment that I'm ever going to be able to align with or, or not? Um, and when you make choices that are in alignment with your values, you are going to find that you're going to be a lot less stressed. You know, you, 
you get this flow. Um, <laughs> and this is where motivation, this is really, truly where motivation comes from. You know, a lot of people I think are very hard on themselves. Um, and this is why they think if I'm burned out or stressed, I'm doing something wrong and I need to do, I need to do more because our self-worth is tied to this productivity, right? But it really should be about, am I meeting the goals that I have set for my own life and my own vision, or am I meeting goals and values that are in alignment with what society wants or with what somebody else wants? Mm -hmm. So again, I look for those um, patterns because typically we can find ourselves in these situations when we are looking for approval and looking for external validation versus looking for that within ourselves instead. And that's where, you know, not knowing what somebody else is going through. So you could be working around the clock at a company and seeing everybody else working hard and, you know, working around the clock and you think I, I need to be better than them. You have no idea. They're probably burnt out too, but you know, you don't know that. So yeah. I mean, just making yourself cut everybody else out, make yourself what's best for you, not for everybody else. And this is really the other way that I really tie it into brain science and mm -hmm. our thoughts, those unconscious thoughts, because often what I find is, you know, if, if you grew up in a home, for example, where, um, you know, you were always made to feel bad if you had an emotion, you know, you were told, you know, don't cry, go to your room. I don't want to mm -hmm. see you cry. Mm -hmm. um, you know, your brain's going to tell you that the way to stay safe from that is to shut down and not communicate your feelings. And so what happens as we move into adulthood is often, you know, we still have these same patterns of, I can't express myself. I can't say how I really feel. Um, I don't feel like I'm accepted for who I am. So I'm looking for that external validation I don't trust my own emotions. Um, you know, I don't trust my intuition. So these are all the things that can really happen as we're growing up that we're still getting these messages as adults, but we don't, they're not in our conscious mind. They're not in our awareness yet. And if we don't hear it, then it ends up looking like perfectionism and procrastination um, and needing external validation. And so I find that that's really how we end up moving into these um, places of being burnt out and not taking care of ourselves. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And what are your top strategies for helping women create healthier relationships with themselves and others? Oh, gosh, this is such an important one because, you know, if you if you've experienced this and I feel like everyone to some extent has something from growing up that, you know, <laughs> they're still battling with. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even mean that our parents or caretakers were bad people. Right. I mean, it, it goes back to what did they learn when they were growing up? Mm -hmm. Right. What is their level of emotional awareness? Um, but what happens is if, if we don't feel worthy, if we cannot love and value ourselves, then it's very difficult to have healthy relationships with others. And burnout is not just on the job. Burnout can happen in relationships as well. Imposter syndrome plays out in relationships as well. 
And so before we can know how to communicate our needs and have a healthy relationship with others, we have to have that healthy relationship with ourselves. And to me, one of the key points is that people don't feel worthy and deserving, but they don't realize that worth is not something that you have to earn. It is not tied to your productivity. It's not tied to being perfect. When we are born, we are born, that worth is inherent. That right from the get-go, you are deserving at that point of love and happiness. It's these other messages that we have picked up along the way that make us think that that is not true. But worth does not have to be earned. And if you are setting boundaries and feel worthy and deserving, you will have healthier relationships with everyone else in your life and deeper connections as well. Yeah, it's amazing. How, like I always say, um, <clears throat> kids don't come with instruction manuals and you do the best you can with what you have. Yes. And, you know, I mean, it is true how, you know, how I was raised and how my parents were like, I see that now, like the newer generation, the older generations just don't get it. And it's always come. It's like, it, things just change. And I always feel bad because I'm like, I wish they came with the manual. I did the best I could. You know, <laughs> I you only hope that you did, did something right. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's never about blame, you know, yeah. it, that doesn't do any good. Um, right. It's just more about the awareness because until you can move it into that place of awareness, you can't change it if you don't know about it. So awareness is the first step, truly. Um, And just being able to say, like I said, not about blame, but being able to say that, hey, maybe this was about somebody else and not about you and and, and your value. Right. Yeah. Because if you're, if a kid feels, you know, a kid who's an adult now, feel something it wasn't that the parent hated you it could have just been whatever was going through their head from there yeah it's just a sometimes exactly. a bad domino effect sometimes yeah <laughs> right, now what's right. been the, what's been the most rewarding part of your work helping women women end overwhelm oh my gosh so so much i mean th- this whole thing has been so rewarding just watching people make these amazing transformations and going on to feel happy and relaxed and the really what's amazing is how i've seen some of their health conditions mm-hmm. completely reverse wow. and i've seen that in my own life as well but mm-hmm. i have seen it with others where these issues just completely regress for them and they have energy again. And it's the simple things too. It's being able to get up in the morning and actually enjoy a cup of coffee um, or not be so stressed that you're yelling at your kids. Um, You know, there's just so many rewards or even just being able to say no, right? (laughs) Be able to tell your mother-in-law that like, you know, no, we're, we're not coming for lunch this weekend. Um, I need to take care of myself. Um, so yeah, it's just so rewarding, um, to see it. And also I think the relationships that with a community aspect as well, that there's women who are providing support to each other who maybe before felt very, um, isolated and alone. And as we get older in life, I think it can be harder sometimes to make friends, but we, we all need a social circle. We need social support. That's also a part of 
um, healing and moving forward. And so a lot of them have developed that, which is also just amazing. Yeah. Now, what have been some of the biggest challenges you faced as a coach helping women end overwhelm? Well, first of all, I would say moving from a brick and mortar business Mm -hmm. to an online business, because I did, that's what I did. Um, You know, that definitely had a steep learning curve to it. Um, I had some of my own mindset issues. I was doing all of this in my 50s. And even I had a little bit of mindset that like, what am I doing? Remember, (laughs) I was the one who knew at 10 that I wanted to be a social worker, right? And was very goal oriented and and achieved all of that. Um, So all of a sudden feeling lost and not knowing what I wanted to do and the change that I wanted to make. Um, Yeah, it was a steep learning curve, but I got my own coach um, and that was life-changing for me. And I really got the coach to help me move from therapy to coaching. This was also someone had made that, that move, but of course, improvements in one area overflow into so many other areas. Right. Um, it was, you know, amazing. And as I wasn't burnt out anymore, I've been married 25 years this year. We're celebrating the anniversary and, you know, thank you. Yes. I mean, and, and like, we go on date nights every week, you know, we have really good communication. Um, and we're really excited about our futures together, but I I'm not sure if it would have been like that if I hadn't made some of the changes that I made. Um, so, so challenging, challenging being a business owner as well as doing the direct service piece. Um, but I, I do think that it also serves as a wonderful role model for other people that, Age is just a parameter that we put upon ourselves and you can start over and you can have what you want. Um, So, so I love also being a role model for others that look, I I've done it, you know, but so, so follow me. I can, I can show you, show you the steps. You don't um, look a day over 25. So God bless oh. you. <laughs> like, wow, well, thank you. Yes. No, my oldest daughter just got married and they bought a house. We're actually going this weekend to uh, visit her in her new house. And I'm thinking, (laughs) this is very surreal. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. (laughs) Yeah, I just became a grandma for the fourth time. I'm like, oh, time go. Yes. (laughs) Yes. No. And I'll tell you something else. You know, we meet the most amazing people in this business. And I just met this woman. She'd been a pharmacist her her whole life. Mm -hmm. And she let me know we met through a networking group and she was moving to coaching and um, she's going to focus on health and wellness. But she told me that she was 73 years old. Mm -hmm. And I just I was so inspired. Yes. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> right. So yeah. Yep. Age is just a human parameter we put on ourselves. Yes, this is true. Ne- never Society too late. doesn't help it. Yeah. <laughs> never too late. Yeah. Sure. So tell me about this, um, your, the therapy that you do. Um, do people have to be in your location or do you do this online for people anywhere across the world? So that's the other great thing um, is that I now can work with people all over the world because it is virtual. Um, And some people that are familiar with EMDR might have some questions about how do you do that? Mm -hmm. Uh, People who are familiar with it might have seen, and you see it in movies on TV sometimes now where someone will be moving their finger and the other person's eyes are are following the finger. Mm -hmm. 
in order to activate the memory. However, what they have found out is that the most important piece was that there's some form of bilateral stimulation and it didn't just have to be with the rapid eye movement. And so we have found that some forms of tapping can be um, a form of bilateral stimulation. We can use headphones where people can hear different tones and alternating the ears. Um, we can have a ball that moves across the screen that people can follow. Right. But I've actually found for my clients, one of the most comforting, I think ones that for them is um, even just literally being able to almost kind of hug yourself and just kind of alternate your, your tapping. Right. So it's wonderful because I get to work with a lot of people now who maybe wouldn't go into an office right. for something like that. And right. now they don't have to, they can actually be in the comfort of their own home. That's awesome. I know nowadays with the therapy, a lot of people, it's easier for them because especially like, I know somebody just had a baby. It's like, oh, I gotta get a baby. So I gotta travel. Now it's no. Help you take the baby for a minute. I just need to go in there for 45 minutes and it's great, you know. So I think that's awesome and it's good so that people know across the whole US she's your go to person. Awesome. Yep. Yep. I've met with people in their cars before. So (laughs) if they've got a cell phone, you know, they're good. We can make it work. Now, what advice would you give to someone looking to pursue a career in coaching or therapy? Well, I would definitely say to find a mentor. You know, I think that that, you know, we talked earlier about the fact that even myself as a clinician, Mm -hmm. I couldn't be objective about my own stuff. Um, So it's very, very helpful to find someone who can be that objective person for you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, of course, as well as you know, making sure that you learn the specific skills and things like that. But what I have found is that what's really going to make or break your success is going to be your mindset, truly. And the people who are able to really work on that mindset, the rest of it, you can learn, but they go on to be successful. But the ones that can have the most (laughs) skill set, but not the right mindset, Um, you know, I, I just find they really struggle and don't make it. So, um, by all means, I would say my biggest tip is to find a mentor, someone who's gone before you that you really respect and is a good fit for you. And, um, I feel like that can be life-changing both personally and professionally. Sure. Anything you want to add, um, to tell people about what you're doing and things like that? And so, um, you know, my program has mostly up to this point been um, one-to-one coaching along with the community. And we really work on all the various pieces, whether it's, um, you know, focusing on our thoughts, focusing on our emotions, then moving into, you know, your values and aligning your life with those values Um, how to manage your energy levels and the whole self-care piece. Um, But I'm really excited because now I'm starting to also move into some other areas where I can bring women together. So um, starting some group coaching um, in addition to the community so that people can learn from each other, build that social circle of support. Um, And right now I'm getting ready to start a free challenge on um, moving out of your comfort zone and helping people to understand how the brain impacts 
their feelings about their comfort zone, but why it's so important to be able to move through the fear out of that comfort zone. So I'm really excited about that as well. Nice. Now, how could people learn more about this? I would definitely say to head to my website um, and it's just starcitycoaching.com. And actually for your listeners, I also have a free resource for them. So if they go to starcitycoaching.com forward slash success brain, they will be able to find that free resource. They can download it right there. Awesome. And how can people get a hold of you? Uh, they can email me at Mary S at starcitycoaching.com. And I love to hear from people. I love to hear what they're dealing with, what questions they have. Um, so yes, please get in touch with me. I'd love to get to know you. Nice. Well, in conclusion, thanks again for being on the show. Again, that was Mary Straczynski, CEO and founder of Star City Life Coaching, LLC. So thanks for listening to Successful Minds with Patty B. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show. So thank you again. Thank you for listening to Successful Minds with your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.